Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. So here we are again, another edition of the Eurotrip. It is a Wednesday. Thank you, as ever, for tuning in. And we knew it was going to happen. We knew it was going to be an eventful seven days between uh, our last podcast and this one. But uh, James, I don't think we we quite realised how much would be happening. Sunday morning is the the focal point, really, because that's where it all started to kick off. I was having a bit of a lie-in. I was very tired on Sunday morning. And then I saw a, a few tweets talking about San Marino's entry for this year. And it all just sort of exploded. It's going to go down in folklore, that. It's 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 as good as the time when Tony Hadley was due to be representing San Marino. It always involves San Marino, doesn't it? Or one of these smaller countries. There's always some rogue rumours around what's going on with them. There's always a snippet of a song or something, and you're like, that can't be real. But I honestly don't even know where we go from this. I, I said on Sunday morning that I was going through national final fatigue. Well, that ended on Sunday, because Flowrider is potentially going to Eurovision. I mean... Honestly, I didn't think 2020 or 2021 could get even more ridiculous. I mean, what next? 50 Cent represents Andorra. <laughs> M&M for Kosovo. Who knows what, what else we've got to look forward to? Who, know, who knows? Maybe James Newman will announce he's doing a collaboration with Akon. Got all sorts that could be happening over the next seven days or so. It may have happened already. It may not, of course. We're recording this at the start of the week. We should once again reiterate that. There is going to be some news in this podcast that you're like, well, that didn't happen. There's going to be some stuff that isn't in this podcast. Where you go, why well, is that not in there? Well, it's purely because we didn't know. Yeah. So stick with us. We're going to do our best. We've got loads to come here on this week's episode of the Eurotrip. Let the dance macabre begin. Warm welcome. I know the only one show in the world that combines it all. 
singing, music, dancing, traditional and ethnic styles. It's massive. It's twice the Super Bowl. It's like 200 million people. When we reach the end of the show in approximately three to eight hours, we will have a new champion. Now let's get to it. Are you ready to party Europe? It is easy what I say. What I say. This is the Euro Trip. Hello and welcome to the Euro Trip, your favourite Eurovision podcast with me, Rob. Me, James. And this week, Linnea Deb. Yeah, that's right. That may well be a name you are unfamiliar with. That's because Linnea Deb is not an artist. She has not sang at the Eurovision Song Contest. But instead, she is a star songwriter in her own right. You may well be familiar with her name if you are a big fan of Melody Festival. And of course, we are gearing up for the final of that this coming weekend. But she is also been to the Eurovision Song Contest for a number of countries and even won the contest itself. So it's wonderful to be able to speak to her in depth about her illustrious career, including this little soundbite about how she managed to convince one of the artists to take part in this year's edition of Melody Festival. I, I convinced him to go down to Stockholm because he was up in Dalarna, um, middle north of Sweden. And I think he was going to take his driver's license the day after. So he was like, oh, I'm not sure I can come. And I said, OK, I'll pay for your, I'll pay for your travel down. Uh, just get here. We have the song. And he did. And uh, here we are. So we've got that to look forward to. And there is a little bit of a Scandinavian theme to this week's edition of the podcast. Because, of course, we know this weekend, Daddy Freya will be revealing his song live on Icelandic television. Well, as a bit of a coup here on the podcast, we've got the host of that TV programme that Daddy's song will be premiered on right here. So we'll be finding out from him what the song sounds like because he's heard it. Absolutely. And in addition to that, I have also been in conversation with the Danish commentator for the Eurovision Song Contest to talk to him about the Danish selection that took place last weekend and the nation's hopes for Eurovision in May. You're listening on Acast, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. This is the Eurotrip. That's right. Thank you so much for joining us here on another episode of the Eurotrip podcast. As we have mentioned, it is another busy week in the world of the Eurovision Song Contest, but we will do our best to cover everything you need to know. Of course, we've got some great interviews still to come, including this week's big interview with the songwriter Linnea Deb. Uh, but you guys have been, as you always do, been getting in touch with us on uh, on Twitter at Eurotrip Podcast and emailing us as well. Hello at Eurotrip Podcast. Don't forget to get in touch with anything you have to say in regards to the podcast, uh, including uh, in regards to our exclusive interview with Martin Osterdahl last week. Uh, Thomas got in touch in regards to the news that we heard from him to say that audio enhancement could be used if there is no audience in Rotterdam. He said, I hated this in 2015, but 2021 is such a different scenario that it actually would probably add to the show. It probably would as well. Uh, Jamie as well, who always likes to get in touch. Great to hear from you again, Jamie. says, uh, what a great episode. Probably my favourite bonus episode yet. Such an honest and insightful interview. And finally for me, Ewan said, Best Eurovision podcast going. And I have to agree there, Rob, don't you? I mean, are there any others? Really? I've not heard them. I'm joking, of course. There are some great ones out there. So, you know, I've got to say that before you all come and find where I live and throw cabbages at the door. Is that a thing that happens now? (laughs) It's not 1929, (laughs) is it? (laughs) Now! 
Do people, what, what would you throw at a door if you really hated somebody? I'm going to go fish. An egg, wouldn't you? It's, no, it's egg. Egg's the way. We shouldn't be condoning any of this, should we? Probably not. Avoid the bricks, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to call this week's episode Linnea Deb and Avoid the Bricks, but I am very tempted. <laughs> oh, dear. Anyway, yeah, we've said it a million times. Fab to have Martin Osterdahl on the podcast last week. Thanks again to the EBU for organising that. Uh, on Wednesday's episode, of course, so a week today, we heard from Cheryl Baker, the UK's winner of the Eurovision Song Contest as part of Buck's Fizz in 1981. And we have not had a reaction to a big guest quite like the one we had to our interview with Cheryl. So thank you to all of you who have been in touch because there's been loads of you getting in touch on on Twitter. Uh, Evelyn, who I think lives in the Netherlands, she says, oh, I wish you would have come to Rotterdam. Still a long drive for me, but would have made the effort. Maybe we could have met, but who knows? You can always come over to my place for some tea. Lots of love. Oh, that's a lovely little tweet from Evelyn. I don't know what was on the menu, but uh, I'm intrigued now. Uh, Nick also tweeted to say, this is exactly what the UK needs. So Nick here talking about what Cheryl said about the current contest uh, at Eurovision Iaster, and she said she loves it. Uh, Nick goes on to say, some positivity about the current contest, not the dreary entitlement complainers about political voting, etc., Uh, My country, the Netherlands, so Nick also from the Netherlands, uh, won because Anouk stepped in and showed the public how nice it is to be part of all of this. And uh, Andy, forever an optimist, fair play to him, he said, uh, would it be nice if the Fizz were doing this year's UK entry? We'd win it hands down. Andy, I don't want to disagree, (laughs) but I think I'm going to have to. But thank you very much for your tweet anyway. Yeah, I think think Andy might have uh, had a bit too much cheese at night for... uh coming up with dreams like that the fizz are fantastic i uh, i have to agree but uh, i don't think they will be winning eurovision again anytime soon however that said would very much like to see uh flow rider and the fizz appearing at the same eurovision song contest <laughs> the idea of them bumping into each other backstage is is a, a vision that i uh i very very much enjoy uh, but to news of the actual eurovision song contest of 2021 you know what it's time for Yeah, that's right. The cheesy news jingle is back again week after week to tell us it is time to round up the latest Eurovision news, or at least as much as we can, uh, given we're recording at the beginning of the week. Rob, I'm afraid the the listeners are in your capable hands to try and round up as much as you possibly can. Yeah, I'm going to do my best. I'm already looking forward to next week's podcast when we can all just sort of relax, sit back, take stock of everything that's happened. But uh, unfortunately, that's not the case this week, because of course, it is the final week that you can submit your song for Eurovision. So there is loads going on. So uh, I will probably get started. Uh, So everything that's happened since our last episode on Wednesday. Uh, Last Thursday, we had four songs heading to Rotterdam. Hooverphonic, Roxon, Jingu McCroy and Natalia Gordienko all revealed their songs on Thursday. Uh, James, have you recovered from Moldova's lengthy streaming of their uh, entry reveal? I certainly did not sit through that entire evening. I think it was longer than an episode of San Remo, wasn't it? It just went on and on and on. But I know you, Rob, 
are a big, big fan of the song itself. Big, big fan of that. That is the dirty, dirty banger that we needed this year. So very, very, very much enjoying uh, Natalia Gordienko's entry this year. Uh, That was Thursday. Friday, more songs came, courtesy of Hurricane with Loco Loco. And Montaigne in the early hours released uh, Technicolor, of course. And then came Saturday. Uh, We got the songs for Estonia, for Denmark, for Portugal. We'll talk about Denmark's song a little bit more later on, of course. Uh, Also, uh, Maniskin. I don't know if that's how you say their name. I'm going to say it is. They won San Remo, so they'll be representing Italy. And we also had Melody Festivalen's second chance round, where they picked the final four acts to go through to the final of Melody Festivalen. Uh, Should also mention, of course, that this week's episode of Melfest Monday is a big old grand final preview. So make sure you go back and listen to that. And of course, we've got a Melfest big guest coming up on this podcast later on. And then came Sunday, a day that will go down in history of the Eurovision Song Contest as the day that the whole thing just got a little bit mad. And why? Well, it was this song. So we knew a few weeks ago that Senate's song had been delayed. We were due to get it at the end of February. We were all complaining. Why is it being delayed? Turns out because they were sticking Flowrider on it. Absolutely ridiculous. Uh, James, you have picked out the best lyric in the song for us. I certainly have. I could sing it for you, but I think that would just be horrendously embarrassing. Uh, but I'll tell you it anyway. Gasoline, kerosene, stop, drop, rule. It's a mantra that I live by, if you ask me. Whatever that means. It sounds very flammable and highly dangerous. <laughs> so anyway, that song has seen San Marino go straight to the top of many fans' ranking lists. We know you love a ranking on uh, on Twitter, the Eurofandom. But uh, yeah, it's a good one. It is a good one. And will we see Flowrider in Rotterdam? We're going to have to wait and see on that one. Monday, of course, Russia selected their entry for Eurovision 2021 in their first national final for a decade. And then comes Wednesday, of course, the day that we release this very podcast. You may have already heard the song from Austria, and we've still got Switzerland, Greece and Bulgaria all to come. And then later in the week, songs from Latvia, from Poland, from Azerbaijan, from Malta, from Belarus... The UK's entry is going to be revealed at some point this week, but at the point of recording this, we're not quite sure when. Who knows? When you're listening, you may have already heard it. And also, of course, on the weekend, on Saturday, we will finally get Daddy Frere's long-awaited song for Eurovision. More on that to come. And Sweden will crown the winner of Melody Festivalen. Well done, Rob. Close the book, put the pen down. You've done a tremendous job taking us through the latest Eurovision news. This is it. This is the the book closed for the week. That was a very disappointing and underwhelming sound. <laughs> well, listeners, just turn it up. Just just skip it back a little bit. Turn it up. Maybe you'll hear the book closed then. Well, there you go. Thanks for doing that, Rob. You've uh, you've got us up to date. Where he said we've still got entries still to come from the likes of the UK and Belarus and Poland and whoever else. Maybe they were released between us talking right now. And Wednesday, and and for that, apologies, but head over to Spotify, I'm sure you'll find them. 
on there. But as Rob says, uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about Iceland very, very shortly. He's been in conversation uh, with somebody very crucial in the release of Daddy Freya's song this coming Saturday. But also, I have been in conversation with somebody from Denmark in regard to the Danish selection, Dansk Melody Grand Prix, that took place uh, just this Saturday, just gone last weekend. His name is Ola Topholm. He is the Danish commentator on the Eurovision Song Contest. It's a job he has done for the last decade or so. He's been a long-time Eurovision fan and indeed has his very own Dansk Melody Grand Prix podcast. It's called Confetti. It is in the Danish language, so uh, if you are a fluent Danish speaker, uh, do go and check that one out. Uh, but as I say, I have been in conversation with him in regards to uh, Fear of Flam, uh, the Danish entry in this year's Eurovision Song Contest. Although I say that at the point I'm talking, I haven't actually had the conversation yet. So hopefully, my very first question to him is going to be, what do you think about the Danish song for the Eurovision Song Contest 2021? Well, um, I think we go back in time this year. It reminds me about my childhood in uh, the 80s. It reminds me about Kirsten and Søren, uh, Tommy Seebach, uh, Birte Kær, all the Danish uh, singers from, uh, from the 80s. Is, the song is in that style, and I like that. But um, how it's going to be for Denmark in the Eurovision, I don't know. Perhaps we're going to lose. Perhaps we're going to get a lot of points. Now, the names you were mentioning there, you know, your, your history, your uh, your love for the Eurovision Song Contest goes back many, mm. many years. And clearly you must have watched Dance Melody Grand Prix many, many times as well. Of course, we didn't have an audience, but we did have a good variety of songs on Saturday night. What did you think about the overall show that DR put on for the for the fans at home? The shows this year, and especially the songs, it was for the Danish viewers. It was not for the Eurovision. Um, it was um, songs um, which are pretty good in uh, Danish radio. Um, we have something called Channel 4. It's almost the same as BBC Radio 2. Um, we have three songs at uh, Danish Channel 4 right now. So um, the songs um, are perfect in uh, Danish uh, radio, but perhaps not uh, for the Eurovision. And what has been the reception to, first of all, the show on Saturday night, mm. and second of all, the variety of songs? Like you say, it, it was targeting the Danish audience very specifically yeah. rather than a Eurovision or European audience. So what has been the reception like in Denmark to Saturday's show? Well, um, I could see that 1.5 million uh, viewers uh, was watching the Danish Melody Grand Prix Saturday night, and that's... Uh, a very nice number, I think. You know, it's it's also special in Denmark, you know, because, you know, it was only in a TV studio uh, without audience and, and so on. And I think it's too bad. But, you know, um, all, also in sports and other music events, everything is without any audience. So, um, so we know that now. Last year, it was um, more special because we had a huge arena in Copenhagen, Royal Arena, with um, uh, 12 or 13,000 uh, viewers. And the day before, you know, um, it was closed that, um, that um, it, will be, it would be a, a Danish national final without audience. So that was even more special than, did, than this year. 
Now, for this year, when we were all eagerly awaiting to find out which artists were going to take part in Dance Melody Grand Prix this year, mm. we were all waiting to find out if last year's winners, Ben and Tan, yeah. were going to be taking part. And there's been some stories about what Ben and Tan's song was going to be and then what DR decided to do. Can you just give us a bit of an idea about what the full story has been like in Denmark in regards to Ben and Tan taking part this year? There, there have been a discussion also in DR about Ben and Tan uh, being a part of this year's uh, Danish Melody Grand Prix, you know, in all countries with national finance. I think all winners from last year have been asking, do we want to participate? And, and again, uh, for instance, in Sweden with uh, the Mamas. Um, I just think that um, the decision was that uh, no... They are going to. Um, they are not going to. You know, have a wild card for this year's uh, Danish Melody Grand Prix. It was close that they um, had taken part of it. You know, they have a new song called Ironheart. Um, it was also uh, running up to the Swedish Melody Festival, and but um, yeah, but uh, no Ben and Tan uh, this year. Uh, now, Ola, I've got to ask you mm. about your history with the Eurovision Song Contest. People, especially in Denmark, will, of course, know you yeah. as the, the commentator mm. for the last 10 years. Uh, I'd love to ask about a little bit more about your, your history with it. But firstly, mm. how much have you seen the contest change in your 10 years as a commentator? You know, from year to year, the changes has been very small. You know, it can be in their music style, it can be, uh, you know, in the show in January. But um, I think um, the show is going to be better and better because my feeling uh, is that uh, a lot of countries have a focus on the music and not, um, you know, to do the most wild uh, show in, in, in the Eurovision with a lot of boxes and uh, crazy things. And so I think uh, the Eurovision is going to be better and better because uh, the focus on the music. Now, you told us before we started to record that the first time mm. you went to the contest itself was in Denmark. It was Copenhagen in 2001, yeah. after, of course, the Olsen brothers won the year before. You've got to repeat that story to me about how you almost went in 2000, but in the end, you didn't. Yeah, my first year in uh, in uh, DR, uh, the Danish Broadcasting Corporation, was in 2000, um, the week before uh, Ocean Brothers' victory in the Danish Melody Grand Prix, actually. Um, and after I was started, um, I had been doing radio for uh, for all my years in, uh, in in DR. They asked me, "Do you want to go to Stockholm, Ole, to you know, to do some radio reports with the uh, Ocean Brothers and so on?" And I said, no, I don't want to go to Stockholm because, you know, we are only going to get five or 10 points from Sweden and Norway. And that's it. So, no, I'm staying home. And then we won. It, it's fantastic to think that they ever invited you back to do any more work after that horrendous prediction. <laughs> yeah, well, it, uh, you know, also for some years, you know, I wasn't bad standing because of that time, I was also the president of the Danish fan club. So um, in a lot of newspapers and uh, some radio shows, um, I uh, were, you know, uh, telling that um, I didn't believe at all at um, Olsen Brothers. Um, and I was believing, you know, five to ten points. That was it. And then I'm, 
I assume that Sweden, uh, that Norway or Iceland could win in uh, in Stockholm. Over your last ten years as the Danish commentator, surely your uh, your favorite moment came in 2013. I don't really need to say yeah. much more than that, but surely it was 2013 your favorite moment. Yeah, it was a, a very a, a very big uh, moment in, uh, in in my life. Actually, you know, Denmark was the big number one favorite from uh, from the whole beginning. And we had a lot of meeting in DR and so on, you know, we are going to win. And so if we became second or, uh, or worse, then, um, then it was very bad. So uh, we had to win uh, that year. And, uh, you know, in Malmö, it's only uh, 25 minutes uh, by train from Copenhagen Central Station. So it was very, very special. But, but you know, sometimes you have the feeling, ah, oh, we have a winner. You know, uh, Louine was the same thing. Um, um, the Netherlands also, and 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 so on. And we had that feeling in 2013. We're going to win this uh, contest. You mentioned this feeling you get. You got it in 2012. You got it in 2013. Have you, by any chance, got the feeling this year that it might happen? About the Danish song? Yeah, of course. About Denmark. <laughs> well, no, I don't have a winning feeling uh, this year, you know, but I, but I think some people in Denmark are going to believe that we are going to do a Olsen Brothers this year. But the difference is that Olsen Brothers, they also won the Danish Melody Grand Prix, you know, with a Danish song. Um, it was in Danish at, at that night, and then it was performed in English at the Eurovision Song Contest. And you know, I, I think people um, has forgot that. Um, so I think that is the difference because if Olsen Brothers were singing in Danish smoke, so much school is the name, um, then I don't believe that they have won. But what do I know? This is the Euro Trip. When you aren't listening, you can find us on social media. We're at Eurotrip Podcast. Warming you up for the Eurovision Song Contest. Well, thank you very much to Ola for having a chat to James a little bit earlier on. Although, not a little bit earlier on, because as he mentioned at the start of the interview, at the time we're recording this, he hasn't actually spoken to him. But hey, the magic of podcasts, eh? Hopefully at some point there will be an interview between James talking there and between me appearing right now. But thank you very much to him for hopefully talking to us. Uh, I, however, have an interview that is guaranteed. I've already done it. So that level of jeopardy we can uh, we can get rid of. It's one I know that we can definitely bring you. And it's one I am very, very excited to bring you. Earlier on, I had a Zoom call to Reykjavik, which can only mean one thing, of course. I was talking about Daddy Freya's song for Eurovision 2021. Now, this is a song that I think has been the most highly anticipated of any song reveal of this national final season. The song has been premiered on a brand new music program on Icelandic television. And I was lucky enough to have a chat to Freya Eyjolfsson, who is the presenter of said program. But not just that, he has heard Daddy Freya's song for Eurovision. But I started by asking what the excitement was like ahead of that song reveal. I think there's a double excitement this year because we won actually last year. <laughs> we kind of won Eurovision, but there was a deep hunger for Eurovision and Eurovision party this year, I guess. And uh, 
because of what happened last year, we all know about that. We don't have to talk about that. Um, we, we, we decided to, to go ahead again with Dali. And so he wrote a new song and we're all excited to hear the new song. And, and yeah, there's a thrill going on in Iceland. Can you just tell our listeners how big Daddy is in Iceland? Is he famous in Iceland? You know, is, is he as big a, a name as he has almost become across Europe now? He is pretty big. You know, he's almost two meters. So, no, he's over two meters. So, <laughs> he's the biggest pop star in Iceland, definitely. If you, if you measure it with... Uh... <laughs> but, yeah, he's pretty big and he's really popular among... Everyone likes small children, and you can see there's a there was a carnival going on, or was it three weeks ago? And you can see children dressed up as Dali and all that. That's fantastic. So obviously, everyone is very excited to finally hear the song. The song is called Ten Years. The most exciting thing about talking to you on the podcast this week is that you are one of a tiny, tiny group of people who have actually heard the song. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. There's a studio version he re- he recorded, and uh, I heard that, and I and I also heard the version we're just first gonna hear with a band, you know, that's like a proper rock and roll band, and uh, I'm not gonna say, but there will be more, and just that, you know, there's a band, and 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 some more, you know. So I heard that version, and and that's pretty different version than the final version we're gonna hear in may now you can't tell us anything about the song of course i know that but can you tell us how different it is from think about things because think about things of course was such a unique song in its in its own right it is what can i say there's siblings you know these two songs but there is similarity but they're different and i would say that the new song is more disco if i would have to describe it i would say it would i don't know it's like stevie wonder and barry white walk into a bar and there we meet Kraftwerk, and they meet also daft punk and they write a song together and perform it <laughs> if that says anything i think that says everything that says that we have to be very very excited about this song yeah it's it's more disco it's more dancey yeah do you think that Europe are going to take it into their hearts as much as some of Daddy's previous work, as much as Think About Things? Because, of course, that song is still absolutely huge. Yeah, it's huge. Oh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, because when I first heard the new song, it, it, it went straight into my feed. You know, it's, it's very dancey. I like that because when I grew up in the 80s, you know, disco was out and disco was just, you know... A silly thing because, and if you read the music magazine, every, every you know Mojo and Enemy and and Uncut, they were always talking about punk and punk, how important that were, and and this was kind of blah blah music. But I think you know it was the Daft Punk who really gave with the with the, with the Daft Punk we saw the renaissance of disco, you know, and and. I would love to see more disco in in the in the Eurovision because we there was always some new influences and new decade and new 
you know, new hypes and erosion. And, and I, I, you know, I don't know, you know, this, you know, Dada definitely has this retro sound, you know, this synth pop 80s, what can we call it? And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the new song is more disco. And I, 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 and I think I would love to see more disco in the Eurovision. Now, on Saturday, as Eurovision fans, it's a very, very exciting day because we have, of course, Melody Festivalen in Sweden, followed by your show in Iceland, which is where Daddy will be premiering his his song. Now, mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about what viewers can expect from, from your own programme in Iceland, because you say it's dedicated, this, this week's edition is dedicated to Eurovision. Well, the Big Bang is going to be the, the premiere of, of, of Daddy's new song, of course, and everyone is waiting for that, so... We have to do something before that. Talk a little bit about Eurovision, and and there was a live, there was a there was a band in the studio. We're gonna perform like classic Eurovision songs, and uh, and analyze it and uh, talk about Eurovision as you have done in your podcast. And it's so exciting to wait for the Eurovision you know, after the film, you know, the Hollywood film. So, yeah, it's uh, it's uh, it's like um. It's like a big party going on next Saturday. You, you mentioned it there. Iceland has almost been at the, the heart of the Eurovision world for the last year or so with, with Daddy's song last year, with the Eurovision movie. And then who knows if things go well this year. Is Iceland ready to host Eurovision? <laughs> it's so funny. When I grew up in the 80s, when I was a kid, we said, we said what? We can't do that because if we we are gonna win, if we, we were so cocky, if we if we were gonna win, we're gonna we're gonna host it. There is no place, you know, because as you all know, we're only three hundred thousand people living here, and it's like a small street in London. So, yeah, yeah, everything is possible, and uh, uh, this is just, this has been the great dilemma of Iceland and Eurovision. If we're gonna win, which we all hope. Where are we gonna do the party? You know, it's like, oh. <laughs> but uh, uh, let's not jinx it. So uh, yeah, yeah, everything is possible, and 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 yeah, yeah. Keep in mind, we're a really, really small country. <laughs> I don't know about you, James, but looking forward to a bit of uh, daddy disco in Rotterdam, which is by the sounds of it, what we're gonna get from uh, from Iceland song on Saturday. Like me, a daddy disco. Daddy disco. I couldn't tell if he was trying to set up a joke or actually tell you what the song was like. He said it was uh, what would happen if you got uh, Kraftwerk, Stevie Wonder, Barry White and, and Daft Punk all together. Yeah, it sounds uh, sounds like a good night out, that, doesn't it? I don't know if you agree. Hey, I tell you what, if, if, that's, on the, uh, if that's on the agenda, sign me up. I cannot wait to hear Daddy Freya's song uh, this year. What were your uh, what were your disco memories like? Because I don't know about, I don't know if uh, if you were the same as me, but we always used to have a bit of a terrible disco <laughs> at primary school. I remember my very first disco. I got dressed up in what I thought was a pretty sharp outfit, or at least a, an, an outfit that a I don't know what I was seven year old me thought was a pretty sharp outfit. It was a Thomas the Tank Engine waistcoat and uh, some green cord trousers. I tell you the. Uh, the ladies weren't weren't that interested, and uh, it was it, it kind of restricted the movement when Bob the Builder came on as well. So all in all, it was a pretty sorry evening. <laughs> That's not where I thought you were going to go with this entire conversation. Uh, do you still have the uh, the Thomas the Tank Engine waistcoat? 
I, my mum does still have it, yeah. It's still at my parents' house. I, I tried to put it on a couple of years ago and it got restricted around my arm so much that I thought it was going to cut off the blood supply. Uh, so I haven't tried it on since. I appreciate it as well. Sorry, listeners. There were a lot of uh, UK-based references in that. So uh, you might not have a clue what I was on about, but there you are. Indeed. I've got to somehow segue a conversation about Rob's school disco dressed as Thomas the Tank Engine into an interview with Lanier Deb from Sweden. I'm not entirely sure how I'm going to do this. But before you do that, you're trying to get out from telling us your own little stories. Have a little snog behind the behind the bike shed at the uh, at the Year 5 <laughs> disco. What you got? We're not getting into that. This podcast is big enough without my magazine-based tabloid rumours, is it? Well, it's uh, it's definitely not as hot as the rumor that your brother was telling us the other day about him and uh, him and a potential Eurovision act from 2021. But uh, that's that's definitely not an anecdote for the podcast. Indeed, maybe we'll do that on uh, the Euro trip after dark uh, somewhere down the line. Maybe we won't. Hopefully, we won't. Anyway, uh, yes, the big interview. Let's get to this week's big interview with Linnea Deb. I said at the top of the show that this may well be a name you are unfamiliar with uh, because she isn't an artist. She has not performed on the Eurovision stage, but she has been to the contest as a songwriter. Her work is known across Europe, uh, particularly in Melody Festival, where she has won the show twice in 2013 and, of course, in 2015 with Mons. Uh, So it's fantastic to be able to speak to her about her songwriting career in particular the work she's doing in Melfest this year where she has no fewer than three songs in this weekend's final of Melody Festival and um now Rob there is a there's a little bit of a joke between us isn't there where we happen to speak to somebody from Sweden and we always like to start by asking them the very same question Sorry, I thought you were on a commission for how many times you said the word Melody Festival, and which which I'm still convinced you might be. You're getting a getting a sizable <laughs> fee from SVT every time you say the name of the selection in full. I certainly am a hundred Swedish kroner every time I say Melody Festival. But uh, yeah, back to your question. Uh, yeah, I believe you often like to ask uh, what Melfest means to them. I certainly do, and with Linnea Deb, it was no exception. So I started off by asking Linnea Deb. What does Melody Festival mean to you? Well, it's always been a big part of my life. I mean, every Swede uh, is going to sit uh, by the TV on uh, Saturday uh, watching Melody Festival. And so and so was I when I was a kid. It was the biggest event of the year. And we all, my whole family and my friends were all sitting in front of the TV, exciting. Uh, and uh, yeah, so, so it was a big dream that I had. And how did it come about then? Because it was with uh, Ulrich and you came yeah. third place in your first time in Melody Festival. And I mean, yeah. you must have thought I've hit the jackpot there. <laughs> yeah, it, was, it felt crazy. Uh, yeah, it was because we did his first album. Um, I think maybe 2000 and what was it? This, the year before, I think. And the, the Swedish um, television really wanted him to, to join uh, Melody Festival. And so we got asked if he wanted to do it. And he said yes. And then uh, I think it felt natural that uh, the group of people that had been doing his album was going to do it. So, so we got invited, actually. And that was a big honor. And then you must have thought, I love this so much, I want to come back. And you did come back. You came back in 2013. Uh, you tell us, who did you write for and what was that song in 2013? Oh, it was Robin Schanberg. Uh, and we wrote the song called You. Uh, that one, that year. No, 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 no. Was it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was a year after Lorraine. It was just a really tough, tough task. <laughs> 
to go through. But uh, yeah, it was um, it was Robin Ramba and you. It's all because of you. And what was it like then to have won Melody Festival and, you know, you've ticked that off your bucket list and then you get to to obviously take the song to the contest, to the Eurovision Song Contest as well. I mean, what was that experience like to be a winning songwriter at Melfest to then take the song to Eurovision as well? It was so big. I think we couldn't ever have dreamed about winning the Swedish Melody Festival. And uh, it was a big, big, big dream of ours and uh, a check on the bucket list, list, of course. And um, I just felt like my knees were like, oh, I just fell uh, when we won and uh, going to the Eurovision was actually, I have to be honest, it was in Malmö, Sweden. So it was, I thought, I really thought like, oh yeah, we won, let's go abroad, let's go to a nice country somewhere. No, it's in Malmö, okay. <laughs> but, uh, uh, and it was also very tough uh, being uh, second after Lurian, uh, but it was, uh, it was nice. And uh, we got to know a, a lot of people and writers all across Europe so it was a great experience. You've, you've kind of touched on it there where you said you're following in the footsteps of Lorene from the previous year what yeah. was the expectation then because it, it, surely nobody thought well we can we can't do better than that but of course you did win and you took it to Eurovision what was the expectation of, of the song do you remember? I don't think the expectations were high to be honest uh, I think uh, everyone felt the same I mean Robin did a really good uh, job doing it and uh, I still love uh, you the song I think a lot of people love the song you but it felt like it was really hard trying to to do that again uh so he did a really good job it was a tough act to follow then certainly wasn't it <laughs> yeah yeah the toughest <laughs> but yeah. then it, that did not put you off you've been back every year since I think apart from 2020 you've been back to Melody Festival and, and I yeah. think Probably, am I right in saying, would the standout year for you be 2015 when you won with Mons with the song Heroes? I mean, tell me yeah. what that was like. Oh, my God. Um, the thing is, I, I don't really remember much because I was so nervous. I was a wreck in, in the green room. Um, but, uh, of course, a very, very big moment for all of us, for uh, Christy Bjorkman, for... Uh, for Mons and me and Anton and Joy. Um, it was just, I think it was too too big for us to understand. I still, still today, to this day, I feel like I really haven't yet understood what happened, to be honest. But it's, uh, and, I, and I, I was doing a TV show uh, this week and they showed this uh, moment exactly when we win. And I'm like, is that me? Because I, I, oh yeah, that is me. Oh yeah, we did win. That's so weird. It's really weird. We have further countries coming up, but it's no longer possible for any other country to catch up. We already have a winner, and the winner is Sweden! I, I mentioned it before, you've been to Melody Festival every year since, apart from uh, last year in 2020. What is what is it that keeps bringing you back? Because you've had the success, you've been to Eurovision, you've won Eurovision. What draws you back year after year? people everyone around the whole production uh, it's like uh, meeting friends again and um, well just the hang hang around I think uh, when you meet everyone and, and the, the expectations and everything is so professional uh, it's just 
just something when you've tried it once you it's like oh you gotta have it. it's like an obsession to me at least it's like a big obsession and, and I'm just addicted it's like a musical drug <laughs> that I need to have yeah it's true how privileged do you feel that you you get to take part all these years? Because as a as a songwriter Very. in Sweden, it must be mm. must be one of those things that you always dream to do, and it's one of those things where you should be you were know, very well respected if you are invited to take part again. But yeah, um, but there are also a lot of people that thinks that it's a bit embarrassing. They don't want to do it, like uh, you know, Melody Festival. No, that's not for me. It's it's embarrassing. But uh, of course. And then when you see them in green room, you're like, oh, so you did. Oh, did you write a song from it? Oh, you did now, did you? You know, that is, is that is that kind. Uh, but yeah, it's a big privilege, of course. I feel very humbled, but I also work extremely hard. It's not that, it's not like I write one song every year and it, it's, it's immediately in. I write a lot of songs and I do great work, hard work to get songs in Melody Festival. I'll ask you about your 2021 songs in just a moment. Um, but I'm curious to find out what your thoughts are about all of the, all of your previous history at Melody Festival. And of course, we've mm-hmm. mentioned uh, Robin and we've mentioned Mons, who went out to great success. What have been some of your other standout songs that you've written over the last 10 years or so at Melody Festival? And- one of my biggest favorite is, of course, Ace Wilder and Busy Doing Nothing. Um, that to me kind of almost changed Melody Festival a little bit, I have to say, uh, because uh, there was a lot of schlager before. And uh, so when we did that song, we felt like, no, we're just going to go really uh, current. We're just going to not think Melody Festival and a typical Melody Festival and a song. And there were a lot of people who were skeptical about that song. So uh, when it went as well as it did, I felt uh, like that is that is the one song I think for me that I'm really like proud of. I'd love to ask you about uh, the song you wrote for Dotter back in 2018, Cry, uh, because yeah. you wrote that alongside uh, Thomas Jason as well. And of course, mm-hmm. we all know him as the songwriter uh, for Euphoria. So what's it like to work with? I mean, I- I'll use the word legend because I, I guess he yeah. would be considered so, wouldn't he? Yeah, of course. He- he's a legend, but he's also my best friend. Uh, call him my bro. <laughs> uh, we uh, we write a lot uh, songs together um, and uh, yeah we, we do it every year so I'm just happy for him whenever he has a song I'm like yeah bro good luck yeah, happy for you and he's the same so uh, yeah writing with him is a is a privilege of course. Now speaking about these relationships you have with these other songwriters for 2021 there seems to be a bit of a bit of a dream team going on for you because you've written four songs for Melody Festival this year and uh, yeah. two of the other songwriters that have featured on all four of your songs are both uh, Jimmy Joker and Anders Retoff. What's the relationship like there because clearly that trio works so so well. 
Yeah, you know, uh, we were invited to this uh, pitbull camp in uh, the Dominican Republic. And uh, of course, I had met uh, up with uh, Anders before. We're friends too, good friends. But then I met Jimmy Joker and uh, we did a few great songs together and just felt like, uh, why don't we do keep doing this in Sweden? Because he lives in Sweden. And so, uh, and I asked him like, would you want to do Melody Festivalen? Because he has done, I mean, Enrique Iglesias, Pitbull, J-Lo, Lady Gaga, and all of those big, big, big artists. But he was like, yeah, I'd love to. Yeah, let's, please, please, let's, let's do it. And uh, so, yeah, we just uh, hooked up uh, at uh, Anders Veto's place. He's got a hotel down in uh, Skåne and just um, had lots of fun doing the songs. And then we uh, invited Joy, my ex-husband, to, to join the party. So it was a big, big party going on from like April until November. <laughs> so what, what's that like then? Because obviously you've written these songs, but you've written these songs for very different artists. You know, you think of mm. Alvaro Estrella and his previous songs that he's written, but then you compare that to Eric Sada, for example. They're very mm. different artists. So how do you manage yeah. to write these such different styles that are going to work for these such different artists? Well, that's my job. I have to uh, do a lot of um, background check. Um, about the artists of course and I have to I think you have to be versatile uh, being a songwriter being in Melody Festival of course or else you'll just get one song or maybe not even one so that's just a thing that you have to um, have in mind that you you have you need to be versatile and um, so that's what we do I mean um, you can't I mean Eric Sade he can't he can't be anything else but what he feels like he should be Pardon my English. <laughs> yeah, well, well, it's, it's hard to explain, but of course you have to be versatile. <laughs> and uh, how did you manage to convince Jimmy Joker to take part in this songwriting? For Melody Festival, you've mentioned these names he's written for, uh, and I appreciate, you know, the likes of yourself and Anders have written for these big artists around the world as well. But how do you manage to convince Jimmy Joker to go and write some songs with you for Melody Festival? No, he wasn't hard to convince at all. He, he was really like, and even because of the pandemic, uh, he felt like, well, why not? I'm, I'm in Sweden. I can't go to America anyway. Uh, so, um, no, he was really, he really, he was the one who was like uh, begging, not begging, but he really wanted to do it. So why not? He's a great writer and he's a, just a great man. He's the best of friend you can have. Now let Not me ask everyone. you about all of the, the, the songs individually that you've written for this year. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Let's start with Alvaro. That must have mm. been a whole lot of fun to work on that song. Yeah, it was so much fun. I even, okay, I'll tell you a secret. I even translate, Googled some, <laughs> some of the Spanish lyrics. I do not speak Spanish at all. So, <laughs> yes, I did. Uh, and uh, yeah, it was fun. And that was also a song that we actually did for him. Uh, I was telling Anders and Joy and uh, Jimmy about him. Like, I think we should do a song for Alvaro. His name is Alvaro, not Alvaro. Oh, forgive me. By the way, <laughs> I know I know this because he gets so annoyed when people say Alvaro. <laughs> so Alvaro, yeah. Um, yeah, we just felt like um, we, um, it felt natural from the beginning. Like, this is such an Alvaro song. And he went down to Skåne to, um, to attract the vocals. And uh, so it was like immediate, uh, perfection. Let's move on to the other artist, Tusse. Am I pronouncing Tusse. that one? You tell me if I'm pronouncing yeah. that one correctly. Is that okay? Good? Okay, Tusse. Tusse. Is that okay? Tusse. Yes. Perfect. <laughs> tell, <laughs> tell us about the song for Tusse then. 
Well, that's a big song. Um, uh, I feel like uh, that's in both mine and Joy's pocket in a way. Uh, um, well, working with Tusse was um, like, he is so professional. He is so happy and easygoing and just lovable. Uh, we did a few songs actually, because his uh, label wanted him to do other music or, or another kind of music but we we really like believe in the song so we said no we're not going to do it that way we're going to do it this way and then uh, in the end everyone everybody got convinced uh so um i i convinced him to go down to stockholm because he was up in dalarna uh, middle north of sweden and i think he was going to take his driver's license the day after so he was like <gasps> I'm not sure I can come. And I said, okay, I'll pay for your, I'll pay for your travel down. Uh, just get here. We have the song. And he did. And uh, here we are. So it's a good yeah. job. You, uh, you actually came along to the studio then, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> not sure if you got the driver's license. Though, but, uh, I hope so. And lastly, the last song you've got in this year's edition of Melody Festival is with Eric Sarda. Um, you can yeah. again pick my pronunciation apart with that one. Uh, I couldn't help you if I tried. <laughs> sad, sad, sad. I don't know. <laughs> what was it like to work with him? Because, of course, he is another one of these artists who's been yeah. to Melody Festival and so many times. He's been to Eurovision as well. He's just uh, an ultimate professional, I can imagine. Yeah, he's such a professional. He knows exactly what he wants. Uh, and um, it's it's just been a really like pleasant ride, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. Uh, we had a few sessions booked, me and Joy and uh, Eric, and I think he felt like uh, he liked us and um, it turned out to be a, a lot of good songs. But then, um, uh, but then um, um, Jimmy Joker joined because he's the best. And uh, yeah, well, you know, um, he had a great idea and we just worked on that and uh, Eric loved it too. So um um, yeah, I'm, I'm really happy about that song. It was quite a natural process, and was it for, for Eric? Yeah, yeah, very, very, yeah, yeah. But he's so, he's so like, he's very picky and uh, he knows exactly what word to say when it's like he can, he can think about should I say and or but, you know, that's, that's the kind of dude. He's really uh, picky and uh, he knows exactly what he wants. So uh, it's, um, it's interesting to work with him. I love it in the morning. I love it in the evening. I love it every weekend. I want it all every minute. I love it in the morning. I love it in the evening. I love it every weekend. I want it all every minute. Now, I'd love to ask you about your hopes and feelings for, for this year. You look very nervous as soon as I ask that question because it's a big <laughs> year for Melody Festival and there's so many big names yeah, this year, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, really. Um, you never know what's going to happen. And, and uh, of course, I, I every song that I did is is my baby. So I can't, uh, I can't really, uh, I don't know. I don't want to, I don't want to go there. <laughs> uh, and how are you feeling about not being able to be as involved this year because uh, you're not going to be able to be at the arena. No. You're not going to be able to interact with the artists. You're going to be at home like the rest of us watching on TV. How is that going yeah. to change your, your approach this year? 
You know what? Actually, I think it's pretty good because uh, um, uh, last year when I didn't have a song in Melody Festival, and it felt like a whole different uh, experience just sitting in the sofa watching it. Because uh, when you're in it, every time I go into the the arena, and I know I have, let's say I have one song in in, in one uh, in one of the competitions, then uh, it feels like, oh my god, oh that song is so much better than mine. <gasps> Oh, that song is so much better than mine. You feel like everyone is so much better than you and everyone is so great. But then when you watch it on TV, you're much more like, uh, it's okay. You know, it's easier to, to um, sort out. Uh, so it will be, I think it will be, it's more scary this, this time around. Um, and also very um, sad because uh, there's a lot of social things going on uh, in the, Festival and when, when it's across the whole Sweden, of course. So, um, yeah, it's sad, but interesting. What would it mean to you if you were to win Melody Festival and again and get another song to Eurovision? Because you've also had songs that go to Eurovision outside of Sweden as well. Uh, you've worked with uh, Sara Aldo in Finland, of course. Um, you've In Denmark as well last year, I appreciate the song didn't go to Eurovision in the end because of the cancellation. But what would it mean to get another one of your, another one of your babies, mm -hmm. put it, to go to Eurovision again? It would be, I could eat a whole year. Thank you. <laughs> uh, of course, financially, I mean, uh, the pandemic is gonna uh, make us all a bit poorer. Uh, and I have to be honest, like, uh, that would mean a lot to me. And, um, but to me, it's not about the win. To me, it's about the whole thing that's not going to happen this year, this year the, the social event and everything socially about, uh, around it. So um, uh, it would not, I don't think it would feel as special uh, if I won this year. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, because it's not, it's not the full experience this year, is it? Is that what you're trying to get no. at? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So, um, yeah, but number one, it would mean that I could uh, serve dinner every night on my table. <laughs> We've got our fingers well and truly crossed for you then, I assure you. Yes, um, please, please, please. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I've got one last question to ask you. We ask everybody who comes onto the podcast the same question. Um, what is your second favorite Eurovision song of all time? Okay, Arcade. Uh, Euphoria number one and Arcade number second. I love Arcade. It's such a it's such a brilliant song. A great interview there with Linnea Deb and blimey, she was very very confident when uh, when it came to asking what her second favorite Eurovision song was. Do you think she's been listening to the podcast? She knew the question was coming. I feel like she might have been. There's no editing there as well. That is the genuine gap between me finishing the question and her answering it. I think she's been listening to the podcast since day zero. She's a big fan. She's a big fan, Rob. I reckon she loved your chat with Rambo. That was probably a favourite. <laughs> it's probably the reason she got involved. That's why she said yes to the interview. If Rambo's done it, I'm definitely not saying no. Maybe that's how we should headline every email we ever send to anybody from now on. You may have heard Rambo Ambedeus on this podcast. You may wish to join such an illustrious list. They'll be banging on the door to do an interview with us. Um, anyway, no, it's fantastic to have Linnea Deb on the podcast. And I'm very worried now that I'm just going to say everything that I say every single week, where it's fantastic to have them on. They were very open and honest uh, and all that sort of thing. But yes, it was. It's great to speak to Linnea Deb. She had uh, oh so many fantastic stories to tell. That's another one I always say. 
And then I think I normally pop on and say, yes, indeed, an incredible insight. So <laughs> we could have just record, we could have just used us saying this every single week and not have to record a new thing every week. But uh, but we do anyway, because we love being here, listeners, for you every single week. This, by the way, episode 32. And that doesn't even include the bonus episodes we've done. It doesn't include Melfest Monday. So we're probably edging towards 50 overall episodes, which is just a bit ridiculous. It is a little bit. Uh, one thing that has been with us throughout, yes, that's a segue, has been how we end the podcast. It has not changed since that very first episode dropped into your podcast feeds in early August, because we finish with a game we like to call the One Second Song. Now, we bring you the first second of, you guessed it, a Eurovision song, and you have to guess the name of the song, the artist, the country, and the year in which it was performed. So four points on offer. And James, it is you guessing from a song selected by me this week. How are you feeling? It is. I'm very nervous this week because I sort of, uh, I threw you under the bus last week by giving you something from 1963. So I feel like, if anything, you've probably been just as horrible to me. I've brought things ever so slightly uh, more up to, to the present day, although that doesn't give too much away, does it? There's quite a few years between uh, between now and 1962. Uh, do you want to have a listen? Come on then, bring it on. Let's have a listen. Here it is. For the first time, for James and you at home, here's this week's One Second Song. Well, I was going to say, you brought a bang up to date. You brought it up to date a little bit further, I reckon. However, uh... I'm afraid to say, well, I'm not afraid to say, because I say it every week, I haven't the foggiest what that even is. So please, sir, can I have one more listen? You can indeed. For the second time, go on. For the final time as well. You're not having it again. I refuse. A bit like when the dinner lady at school says, no, you can't have seconds. But this time, I suppose you can have seconds. You can't have thirds. For the final time, this week's one second song. Well, as you guessed, uh, after a second time of hearing it, I am no further towards the correct answer so in the past in the past few weeks at least we've both been fairly friendly with each other by picking something that is fairly topical to either this week's podcast or the news from the world of the Eurovision Song Contest so I don't think it's from the last decade because I guess I would probably recognize it if it was from the last 10 years so I'm going to go a bit beforehand so maybe 2009 uh 2008 no 2009 we'll go 2009 uh, what's been happening? Uh, Iceland. No, it wasn't Iceland in 2009. What's been happening? San Marino. San Marino. I don't know who San Marino was in 2009. Uh, San Marino, 2009. It was Eric Contaglio with <laughs> Lay Me a Bed of Flowers. That's one of your best made-up song titles. I like that. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Am I am I right? You've got a point. Have I? <laughs> is it uh, is it Eric Contaglio? Surprisingly, yes. It, no, it's not. It's not Eric Contaglio. But it is indeed San Marino. <laughs> and you very nearly got yourself two points. It's 2008. Ah, man. Well, there you go. Fill in the rest. Fill in the blanks. Uh, San Marino's debut... In the Eurovision Song Contest uh, is this song, of course. Uh, they made their debut at Eurovision 2008. San Marino very much in the news over the last few days. And they were represented in 2008, of course, by the band 
Miodo with the song Complice. there you go you've you've heard it now what do you make of it unfortunately uh, on their debut the Eurovision Song Contest uh, that song for San Marino coming last in the first semi-final I tell you what if San Marino come last in their semi-final this year with Senate and Fluorider I am boycotting the Eurovision Song Contest just think you know do you reckon old Miodo there they they think, you know, oh, we had a nice time representing San Marino. And then every year, presumably, they have the old San Marinese Eurovision get-together. Then, Valentina, Senate, uh, what's his chops, the other fella? What what was his name? Who did uh, did the Spirit of the Night? Jimmy, 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 Jimmy Wilson. Jimmy Wilson. Jimmy Wilson. He gets an invite still. They all sit round and have some dinner. Well, next year, when they have the old get-together... Flowrider's popping himself down to the table as well. So oh, that'll be quite the event, won't it? Do you think when they send those invites out, they, set, they actually look and go, blimey, we've had, we've had four different people called Valentina Minetta represent us at Eurovision. How weird for a country as small as San Marino when they send four different invites out to uh, Valentina. And it's actually just the same woman. I hope they realise, because otherwise they'd save a lot on postage. <laughs> postage notoriously expensive in San Marino. It could be, could be, not been, not been, but it could be. Apparently it's very beautiful. So, uh, you know, I'm sure, well, I say that, if San Marino win Eurovision this year, probably not going to be able to host it, are they? But uh, maybe we can make a Euro trip to San Marino and uh, and check it out instead. Uh, James also uh, mentioned, uh, oh, who represented San Marino in 2009? Uh, the answer, of course, everybody, nobody. Uh, San Marino didn't return to Eurovision until 2011. So I was never going to be right anyway, was I, with a, with a guess like that? Miles off the mark I was, miles off. You were indeed. Uh, now that's it, unfortunately. We're all done. Uh, thank you very much for tuning in to this week's episode of The Euro Trip. Uh, don't forget, Melfast Monday is still there in this very podcast feed. If you haven't had a listen yet, that's the perfect warm-up to uh, Saturday's Melody Festival and final uh, hopefully i'll get some of james's commission for using the word melody festival and in full there and uh, yeah as ever a delight to have you with us indeed it is thank you so much for joining us on another episode of the euro trip we will be back again in your podcast feed on monday for the final episode of melfest mondays we round up everything that has happened at the grand final of melody festival and, and then of course back again for our usual episode on wednesday when it will hopefully be a lot quieter than it has been this week but in the meantime until we're back again don't forget to subscribe leave us a review and rate us five stars from me james it's goodbye and from me rob it's goodbye what was your favorite dinner at school we you know i never really went for like a hot meal at lunchtime i always just went for the, the triangular sandwiches your school used to offer a sandwich yeah yeah yeah. So, you know like if you made a sandwich and then cut it into four triangles you used to be able to get three triangle sandwiches with what inside ham and cheese i mean pretty bland but you know yes good good few choices out there
Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.